Hey guys, welcome back to another episode of the Training Bites podcast. I'm joined by Alex again for another episode on sports psychology. Alex, what's the what are some common mistakes that you see within athletes in that crucial last six to eight weeks before a prep, uh, before a comp? Sorry. So the common things that I encounter uh, for strength strength athletes, so weightlifters, powerlifters, strongman, I can only generalize it to to those three sports. So that's where most of my experience have been. But the three common mistakes that I've observed is is such so unexpected changes in technique um so sometimes they'll you know if they're carrying with them a little niggle a little or they're recovering from an injury to kind of compensate for pain for pain symptoms whether that pain is is low in severity moderate or, or quite high in severity if it's high in severity they shouldn't be competing from my point of view but if it's low to moderate and they want to compete they would have compensated for that pain by adjusting it's adjusting their technique and not allowing enough time to actually you know um, develop confidence with that technique or a lot of consistency in, in, in achieving successful lifts with that technique so sorry, we, sorry, sorry buddy, buddy now that's all right. can you define low moderate and high pain so uh, just using a for me I always use a qualitative standard so uh, for low it will be sub three out of ten so they will feel something there it, it's quite it's quite low. It's not very. It's not very. It's not a burden. Um, it's not indicative of an acute injury, and it's very much like I'd say waking up and you have oh you have a bit of, you know a bit of like stiffness, a bit of pain here, and that's about it. But it's not. It's not indicative of an injury. Uh, moderate, I'd say is is sub, uh, below six out of ten. If I'm using a qualitative standard, uh, where okay, you've, you've recovered from an acute injury, there's still some recurrent pain symptoms there. So from my, from my personal experience, uh, if I didn't take something like, like a neurofern or an anti-inflammatory, I would definitely notice some pain symptoms there, which would throw off my performance. So I'm kind of relying on something here to bring the pain symptoms down. Okay. So a High end. Yeah, you're fucked. You're fucked. We get it. <laughs> you're pretty high much end, fucked. High end. Shouldn't be competing. You've just hurt yourself. Okay. Okay. I don't want to take up too much yeah. of your time. Okay. So they, they change their technique. They um, change their technique. They don't allow for enough time to to uh, in, to actually rehearse that technique, and it basically throws everything off. That's one mistake. The second mistake is um, is ineffective arousal management. So, for example... What is arousal, just very quickly? Arousal, so I'm referring to physiological arousal here, so heart rate, blood pressure, uh, core temperature, overall central nervous system activity. So yeah. think about it in terms of how fast is your mind racing. In, in ter- if you're the athlete, how, what does that feel like? It feels like you walk up to the bar, you've got butterflies in your stomach, you're sweating a lot more than you should be. You should already be sweating, but you're sweating a lot more than you should be. Heart is pounding in your chest and mind is racing and you have all of these thoughts that are coming to you you're not really sure like what to do so you set up at the bar and and the next thing you know you've missed your lift okay and that's over arousal over it's too it's hyper hyper arousal okay okay Okay. so ineffective arousal management so um from my point of view six to eight weeks out the athlete should really be nailing that and really working on that and optimizing their physiological arousal and training so that when they are in competition, it's pretty much second nature. They don't have to think about it. The reason why that's important is it changes this from looking at it. And from my own personal experience, it changes the speed 
and the confidence with which you do your movements. So you think about a snatch, and you think about a clean, and for you, for you personally, you think about the speed at which the bar leaves the ground, makes contact with your hip, and uh, this, the how you produce your triple extension before you transition under the bar. That all changes if you're nervous and anxious. Your, your muscles are tight in the wrong areas, you're loose in the wrong areas, everything's, everything's incorrect, or everything feels like it's incorrect, and that affects your confidence and affects the, six, the likelihood of success of making that lift. That's the second one. And the third one would be uh, ineffective fatigue management strategies. So one of the things that I see people do that, I, I get it, but I think it could be done better, is when they're six to eight weeks out from competition, they can become very focused so far out from the competition that they forget about the basics of recovery. So they do the sleeping and eating part, but one of the things that we know from a research level that also contributes well to recovery is laughing, smiling, and just being happy. That is so crucial to recovery, but it often gets overlooked. And I think I often encourage my clients that if they can do something daily, weekly, and monthly to kind of help tick off that smile box because you'd be amazed at how many people can go through the day and the week without smiling and having a laugh. We're going to go over time here, which is fine. Can you, can you just expand on that last part again? Because that's fascinating. If you smile more, you recover better? Yeah, hell yeah. Like your, your perception of, of, of pain is, is lowered when you're happy, right? So you're, when you sleep, you go to sleep easier. You're not thinking about... Um, you know, thinking about stresses and all that kind of stuff, your cortisol levels are lower. So you're like, you're tired from training, you had a great day, you're smiling, you had your daily smile, you're relaxed, the body feels good, it has to feel good, endorphins and stuff going through it. You go to bed, you sleep straight away. I can tell you like, if you're, if you're stressed out and you're tired, it can still take you three hours to wind down and go to bed because of excess cortisol levels in the blood. You will eventually go to sleep because the cortisol will drop off at some point in time. But if you're trying to optimize how your recovery strategy, smile, be happy. Because that's going to improve your sleep quality, which is going to flow on to improve your training. And your There's so many things I want to ask you, but I mean, this is the last thing for this, uh, this podcast. Are there any studies to show or from your experience, are there happier people better lifters? I wouldn't say they're better, but I'd say that they're definitely more confident in themselves that they can make the lift. And if, if anything's to go, you know, quality, quality, like you look at research or looking at anecdotal evidence, I know anecdotal evidence isn't the best to be using here, but if you, if you think about it... Like, anecdotal ex- uh, evidence is called clinical experience. Yes. <laughs> <laughs> yes, absolutely. The, the, more conf- the more confident lifter will, will approach the bar with... with with more enthusiasm, there's less doubt that they, that they can't make the lift. So um, I, I feel like it does. And I feel like it won't be so hard to, to find literature to back it up. Okay, cool. Thanks, Alex. Um, we're going to move on to the next one, which I think we should uh, speak about how to develop confidence in competition. Yeah, absolutely.